Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Good morning. My name is Chris, and we just want to welcome all of you here in the auditorium and all of you watching online this morning. And uh, man, it's just such an honor. How many is ready for Freedom Rock? Like, it's, it's coming. And I believe that this could be the best Freedom Rock ever. I mean, off the charts. So uh, just thankful for what God is doing today. All the baptisms. Man, was that not good or what? Incredible. Just God, just people taking the next step of faith in their walk with Jesus. And salvation is just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, so as always, just like to start, as we honor people in this house, I just want to start by uh, honoring two people that I think are just um, awesome um, just made such an impact in my life, and uh, I think that it's only honoring and right to honor our pastors, Pastor Chad and Pastor Don, and just, come on, let's just celebrate, celebrate Jesus, celebrate them. <clears throat> Man, I'm just telling you, like, every single, I almost preached on comparison, like, because, you know, after you preach after Pastor Chad, like, you know what I'm saying, but it's like, just incredible. Just the leadership and, uh, again, giant killers, man, for the kingdom. And we just love, 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 love your hearts. And uh, so I just want to start by, um, first of all, I want to give you my title this morning. My title is called Keeping It Real. And uh, how many just, you just want to be yourself. You just want to be yourself. You know, that, that phrase actually means to be true to yourself and then also to resist being fake. And I think that sometimes in our life, I think that sometimes we try to be something that we're actually not. Like, I'm going to tell a story on myself. Like, one time I was, um, I didn't know I was going to say this. God, is it okay? Yeah, it's okay. So one time I thought, I thought, you know, it would be cool. I've seen all these, you know, being the youth pastor, I thought it would be cool to wear, you know, I've seen a lot of kids wearing skinny jeans and, you know, and even adults wearing skinny jeans. So I thought it would be a pretty cool idea that if I could test out and see what, you know, a pair of skinny jeans might look like on me. So uh, I go to um, this shop, American Eagle, I think it was, and I go and I, I go in the dressing room and I'm like picking out these things and, and I'm like, dude, like I barely got like one leg in those things. So sometimes, sometimes you just got to quit comparing. You just got to say, that's not who I am. This is who I am. I just want to keep it real. All right, just keep it real. This is who I am. So uh, another story about my life, I was trying to think of, of just situations in my life that, that um, talked about mercy, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I believe today is going to be uh, maybe a giant killing moment in your life today. I believe that God is going to speak to your heart. I believe that God is going to um, shift some things. I believe that God is going to teach you some things, and I believe that if you allow his word to just permeate for the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes or so in your life, I believe that, that God will change you. Um, so I was thinking about times in my life when, when I was shown mercy. The first and the, and the greatest time in my life was when Jesus Christ came into my heart. How many is thankful for Jesus Christ that came into your heart and gave you mercy? Mercy. Man, just incredible. So one time, um, uh, in, I was working patrol as a police officer in and uh, I was just patrolling one night, and, and I had a call, a call from, on the phone from a friend. He said, uh, he said hey, he said, um, I wondered if you would like to pull a prank on somebody. And uh, I thought, you know what? I'm all about pranks. I think it would be a great idea. 
<clears throat> so he started to tell me what he was wanting to do and, and uh, how this was all going to go down. And basically what it was was um, he lived in this neighborhood, and his, his neighbor w- that was actually gone. And uh, he thought it would be a cool idea if we actually set up a mock crime scene. Um, so <clears throat> that way when the guy came home that he would actually think that something really happened at his house and, and all these things, you know. So I'm, I'm thinking, dude, I am all in on this. I mean, I mean you like pranks, right? So, so I'm like, this is the best prank ever. So, so we get, it, get there, and I'm like, he's like, the only thing I need from you is just a little bit of caution tape. That's the only thing. I think I can take care of everything else. And I'm like, you know what? That's the, if that's the best I, at least I can do, I mean, come on, to, to contribute to this fun. So anyways, we get, I, give, I get in the back of the car, and I just take this, this roll, and I'm like, here, take this roll of, of caution tape and take it down there and just string it out, and then I'll pick it up later. Well, what I didn't realize was it wasn't actually caution tape that I gave him. It was, it was crime scene, police line, do not cross. So I give him that tape, and he goes down, and he makes this big crime scene. And I mean, there's a, he had a sketch of a body out there, and he had beer bottles laying around. And I mean, all these things were happening. And all of a sudden, ring. Yeah. Um, do you know anything about a, a, a crime scene up on such and such street? And I'm like, no, no, not at all. I don't know anything about a crime scene. No, I, I haven't got any calls. I haven't heard anything. So then he's like, well, the coroner called. And says that, that there's actually been a crime scene, and it looks like that somebody's actually died. And it's out in this guy's front yard, and, and the coroner just got in town, and he doesn't know anything about what's happening. And he's, he's clueless as well, so I'm just looking for answers. Who gave out the caution tape? And I'm like, oh, uh, well, there was a little piece in the back of the patrol car, and that's what I gave out. So he gets this call, and he's trying to, this is my sergeant, so he's trying to diffuse the situation between the chief and the sergeant, before, you know, in between guy. So he's just kind of working on my behalf, and he's like, Pollard, I'm telling you, man, I'm saving your hind end on this one. And, and we're, we're just kind of going at it, and then, and then uh, he's like, the chief says he wants to see you at his house. And I was like, oh, Lord. So I get there to this house, and luckily, thankfully, that the garage, he was working on his garage door, and he was on the inside and he couldn't actually get outside. So I had to actually communicate through the garage door. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, yes, sir. He's like, um, this was many, many years ago. He's like, um, who gave out the caution tape? I said, well, you know, I did. It was a little piece, you know, about, yeah. You know, sometimes we measure things, you know, like fish and things like that. So I'm like, I'm like it was just a, you know, little piece there. And he's like, um, you know, I was just actually in that car, and I inventoried everything the day before. And there was not a little piece of caution tape in there. And you know what? He showed me just an abundance of mercy on that moment. Because I did not deserve what was about ready to happen. He said, don't do it again. I said, thank you. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) But in those moments, listen, I believe as I was praying about this, about mercy in my life, this is a place because I believe that that we don't only speak from uh, in in this place, but we also speak, when we communicate, we speak, we communicate from a place. So I'm, I'm communicating to you this morning from the place of, of, of mercy. You see what I'm saying? Because I believe that when I was praying about this, this is what God told me. He said, Chris, I want you to tell the people that, that what Jesus is wanting to do on this earth right now is he, and if we want to see transformation and change happen, that it has to be through a simple thing called mercy. Amen. That the power and the transformation and change will come when mercy is implemented into the culture. 
See, because our culture says, you know what our culture says? They deserve what we get. How many's ever said that? <laughs> they deserve what they got. And you know, sometimes you don't even have to say it, but sometimes you're thinking it in your heart and you're thinking it in your life. But mercy overlooks things. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about um, the power of mercy and how mercy can actually transform. Listen, mercy can actually give life to broken marriages. Mercy can actually resurrect dead things. <laughs> That's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about how God is commissioning you and me to walk in a level of mercy in this hour. There's an hour. This is the hour that God is saying, if you want to see revival come, we're in the middle of revival, but we want to see uh, more souls to be saved. It's going to be through the power of mercy, through that coworker that you don't even like. I mean, through that family member that you're having conflict with, because here's what happens. Bitterness begins to come in. Resentment. One of the things God's been dealing with me about in my life is resentment. That's a powerful word. It's a curse, and it will get a hold of you, and it will root your life. And if you, don't have, if you don't find mercy in there, then you will live a bitter life. Mm. I didn't know I was going to say that. That's good, Jesus. Here's what mercy does. Mercy holds what is deserved. It holds back what is deserved in your life. In other words, it holds back judgment. It holds back criticism. It holds back guilt and condemnation and shame and all these things. That's what it does. Mercy gives what we don't deserve, like forgiveness, blessings, favor on our life. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 10. 28, 28, 28. I'm sorry. Yes. We're just happy about chapter 10 all the way to 28. That's what we're happy about. Chapter 28, verse 10. Here's what he says. And this is David writing to his son Solomon. He's getting ready to actually pass a mantle to the next generation. Pass the baton to the next generation. Here's what he says. In verse 10, he says, consider now. Everybody look at your neighbor and tell him, say, consider now. For the Lord has chosen you. Look at him and tell him the Lord has chosen you. To build a house for the sanctuary. He says, be strong and he's do it. He said the word consider actually means give attention to. It means to look at. It also means to have vision for. So he's saying consider now, have vision, and look at this. I want you to see something is what he's saying. I want you to see something very important. And he says in this very next part, verse 11, he says, Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule. Isn't that exciting? the plans. God is a God of plans. <laughs> he wants to give plans for your life today, and he's got a plan for your life today, and maybe you don't even know it. He says, in treasuries, in upper chambers, in the inner chambers, and in and the place of mercy, at the mercy seat, and the plans for all that he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord of all the chambers all around. Look what he said. There's three things in there. He said he has plans, he has a place, and it all is motivated by the Spirit. If you take the Spirit out of the equation in your life, there's not going to be much motivation to have mercy. <laughs> you're not going to be very merciful if you're trying to be mercy, merciful on your own. You see what I'm saying? You with me? He says, I want you to build something great is what I want you to build. And David... 
listen to this, King David, a king, like this guy was the guy, even had failures in his life and even experienced moments of mercy. David one time had this lustful thought about this one guy's wife. And it went even to the point that he basically invited her over, sent her husband out to war. Her husband died, so he actually committed murder. Right? And then with that, he committed adultery. But listen, I think that David had a relationship with this thing called mercy. We have to have a relationship with mercy. Mercy has to be a relational thing. He had a relationship with mercy. And if you'll look through David's writings, you will see, and, I, and just studying this out, that David called this, this, this thing, called this thing, he called it the Ark of the Covenant in many places of his life. It was a place where God would come down and that, that people in the Old Testament, in Moses' time, that Moses built this, this um, Ark of the Covenant and built this place where God would actually come down. They would sprinkle Blood from goats and lambs, all these things, the high priest would come in to the temple and he would put it on the, the uh, mercy seat. And then what would happen is that would be for the remission of the people's sins. But this was happened seven times a day. But I'm thankful this morning that Jesus went to the cross for me. He died and he rose again and he gave his blood. He gave his blood that I don't have to have someone else to go in for me now. I can go to the high priest. I can go to the sanctuary. I'm accepted through him. But here's what he did. David had such a relationship with the mercy seat of God. He changed the name from Ark of the Covenant to the mercy seat. Listen, I want you to understand something. This is very important you catch this. There's three articles that were in the mercy, in the Ark of the Covenant. There's three things. The first one was, was a uh, pot of manna. The second one was the rod of, the rod of Aaron. And the third one was, was the, the Ten Commandments. Now listen to this. They would actually take this, this uh, utensil and they put these three items into the Ark of the Covenant. When they would take it out in 24 hours, it would, it, would, it would die, the manna, and it would be dead and there would be worms everywhere. But the moment they put it right back into the underneath the mercy seat, <laughs> that it would live again. Here's what I believe this morning. I believe that with that and what that tells me this morning is that mercy is so life-giving that even dead things will come alive culture has never been seen hit by something like mercy ever before you got the pot of manna you got Aaron's rod the Bible teaches us that Aaron's rod would actually bud underneath in in the Ark of the Covenant underneath the mercy of God the mercy seat it began to bring forth fruit if you want to be fruitful in your marriage and fruitful in your relationship with your children. You want to know why your marriage is falling apart? Maybe it's a series of things, but I can tell you what can put it back, and that's mercy. If you create a place, that's a good place to give God praise right there. Listen, I believe that even abortion laws, I believe all government, I believe things can be overturned by the power of mercy. I believe the alcoholism in our city. I believe that God is raising up a church, and I just want to prophesy to the Rhodes Church that I believe that God is raising up the Rhodes Church to be a house of mercy, to be a house of mercy. And I'm not saying that we're different than any other church. I'm just saying that if anyone wants to know what the Father's heart is and a church that wants to be in revival and on fire, I believe that God, I know what he spoke to me, change and transformation through the power of mercy.
Because mercy's not something that you can easily give. Come on. How many's ever, how many's ever been there? You got children, you got, you, you know, the conflict with, with marriage sometimes and the challenges of life can kind of get in the way a little bit. So the Bible is very clear on some things. I need nine people to help me real quick. Nine people. Yeah, yeah, come on. Nine people. There's three. Come on, come on, come on. That's good. I got nine people that's going to help me facilitate this message. Here's Here's what I want you to understand. And here's what God wants us to know. He wants me to know this. That any time that mercy's in the middle of everything that you do, everything else will flourish. And I'm going to give you biblical reasoning why I believe that today. That everything else will flourish. Everything else has a purpose. In Matthew chapter 5, one of the greatest sermons that's ever preached was by a man named Jesus. I don't think Jesus ever had a bad sermon. At least I'm not going to say that today. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, listen to this. Matthew chapter 5, he preached this sermon and he called these the Beatitudes. And he said, here's what he said. He said, blessed are they, man, I'm going to get my Bible here right. It said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. Blessed, yeah, blessed are those who hunger And wait, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. All right? And then he goes on and he says that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. And then he says, "Blessed blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on and he says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. But here's what he, here's what he pointed out to me. That mercy, if mercy's always in the middle, mercy was in the middle. One, two, three, four. Mercy right here. He says that mercy, when you get this right, mercy, then everything else will line up. Everything else will line up. If you get, he says that, that mercy is obtained when you give mercy. See, he kind of puts the ball in your court and he says you can seize. The word obtain means to seize it. You can, uh, you can seize and lay hold of mercy whenever you give mercy. See, we have to have our eyes open looking for opportunities to change culture with mercy. We have to be, we have to be um, Christ-minded and his, with his heart and his light to be able to facilitate all these things right here started with mercy in the middle. Mercy in the middle. Now, everyone else, from here, you guys go, and then you go. Good job. Give them up. Give, give them a hand. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Micah chapter 6. Here's another reference in the Bible of how important mercy is when it's in the middle of everything that we do. Micah chapter 6, if you can get that up for me. It might be easier. To... Micah chapter 6, here's what he says. He says, no, O people, the Lord has told you. He's told you what is good. God is telling us what is good. And this is what he requires. 
When God says that he requires something of you, then God means that this needs to be something that you need to actually investigate. <laughs> the word inquire means to investigate in the Hebrew. If you want to, to know about something, you have to investigate something. And here's what he says. He says, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to do what is right. I want you to live pure. I want you to live clean. I want you to live holy. Set yourself apart from everything else. And then he says over here, he says, I want you to walk humbly with God. These are things that God requires. He says to walk humbly with God. And I want you to do what is right. And then in the middle, he said, I want you to love mercy. Love mercy. Like love mercy. You know, like how you love your wife and you love your children. Like more than that, love. That's, what, that's a picture of what he requires of us. Good job. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, sometimes it's difficult because it's difficult to get that reality in our life because sometimes we go through a lot of pain, a lot of hurts, and a lot of heartache and frustration and all these things because what God showed me was in this is that when we have this, how many want to volunteer? <laughs> Does anybody know what this is? It's a show and tell. I just wanted to make sure. I'm not showing. No, just teasing. But what God showed me was in this is that this exercise ball, it has all kinds of different qualities, and it can produce a lot of different things. There's a lot of th ways that you can actually use this thing. And there's only really one muscle. Like, like it doesn't really work my biceps, or it doesn't really work like my back as much. I mean, maybe my back, my lower back, but what it works is my core. Like the more I exercise this thing, you know, I was... You know, just, just thinking about the more you exercise mercy in your life is the more that you get your core strengthened. And that's what we want to do. We want to exercise our life. We want to exercise the mercy in our life. We want to give to that broken person. See, Jesus taught that in, Matt, in John chapter 5, this is a great, this is awesome, that Jesus taught in John chapter 5, listen to this, that, that there was a man that was sick and he was an impotent man, and he was, laying, he was lame, and he was laying at this pool called Bethesda. And he was laying there for 38 years. For 38 years. And Jesus come by, and Jesus said, why are you in that condition? Why do you keep lying in that condition? And the man looked at Jesus, and he's like, because every time I get ready to get in, <laughs> somebody else gets in before me. The water gets stirred at different seasons, but I don't seem to be able to make it in. But you know what actually Bethesda actually means? It means the house of mercy. See, I believe that the five porches could actually represent the fivefold ministry. The apostles, the evangelists, the pastors, you know, and, and it, could, it could represent all them things. And, and the reason I say that in, in reference to this is God is looking for the church to bring people in by the mercy of God. When Jesus showed up on scene, yeah, he was Jesus. When he showed up on scene, he asked the man, why are you laying here? Why are you in this condition? And maybe God's asking you the same thing today. Why are you laying in this condition? Why are you allowing bitterness? Why are you allowing anger? Why are you, why are you allowing a frustration? Why are you allowing these things to captivate you in such a way? Then all you have to do is show mercy. Sometimes we will avoid because sometimes, here's what we do. We only measure sometimes the success of something based on actually what it actually looks like. Let me say this. Because sometimes 
in our relationships even, that sometimes even my wife, when we have these, you know, intimate conversations, that we have these conversations that sometimes there's, there's, there's a little bit, we don't see eye to eye sometimes, okay? Let's just put it that way. But then there's also that, that time, that, that mercy, if we keep mercy in the middle and we exercise that, then we just see things kind of resolve around us. And I believe that's what God wants us to do as we exercise and exercise our um, mercy because we measure it. So many times we measure mercy based on what someone else did. And that actually dictates what we think they are actually worth and what we actually give them back. Jesus says there's no limits for mercy. There's no limitation. There's no boundaries for mercy. You give mercy when mercy doesn't look like mercy needs to be given. Whenever it doesn't look like it's deserving, when your spouse doesn't look like it's deserving, then you give mercy anyways because that's the heart of God. That's when you will see the most freedom in your life, when you begin to give mercy in times when it doesn't make sense. One more thing. I need one person here. One person. Blake, I'm going to use you this time. And one thing about the, the uh, mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, <clears throat> was that God commanded Moses, when he commanded him to build this thing, he said, I want you to take and I want you to put, I want you to put cherubims or cherub on each side of the mercy seat. And basically, them cherubims, they are actually angels that are placed on each side. I think I had a picture of it, if you'd want to pull that up. But what they would actually do is, is he said, I want you to put these and place them on there. And I want you to actually face them toward one another. And I want their wings to actually touch. But here's the interesting thing, and you can read it in your Bible. It says that even though they were facing each other and they were toward each other, he says that their eyes were actually looking down on the mercy seat. He commanded that Moses to actually have the eyes looking down on the mercy seat. So here's what I say today. Sometimes we don't have to see eye to eye in our relationships. As long as we keep mercy in the middle and we're looking at mercy and not looking out for self-gain and not looking out to, to, get event, to, to get revenge, if we keep our eyes on mercy, then we will see the power and the presence of God move like we've never seen it move before. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Because that's the heart of Jesus. If you keep your eyes focused on the mercy seat of God. See, one time they were actually taking a chariot and they were transporting the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, you know, and they were transporting it from one place to the other and it fell off. Be, the, the Ark of the Covenant began to fall off because a wheel broke. And accidentally, Uzzah, actually, I think his name is Uzzah, he actually put his hand up here on the Ark of the Covenant. But God told him not to, do, not to touch anything on the Ark of the Covenant. He commanded him that. And here's what happened. Whenever they actually, he, he was just trying to do a good deed. He's like, we can't let this thing, this thing is special. We can't let this thing fall to the ground. And he puts his hand up there. Guess what? He died, and I think it was 50,000 or 70,000 people died as a result because of what he did. What God is saying today is, don't try to, because what happened is, is the lid actually came off of the Ark of the Covenant. And God says, don't take out what has already been covered by the mercy seat. Here's what we do. 
If you say you've been covered by the mercy of God in your life, many times we try to take the lid back off because we think there's something inside. The only thing that's inside, there's nothing inside for you. All you have to do is touch the mercy seat. You keep your eyes on the mercy seat of God. Everything is living inside the mercy seat, but he's saying the law's in there. You've been redeemed from the law. You've been taken out from the law. One last thing. Proverbs chapter 3, 3 and 4. He says that let not mercy and truth forsake you. Don't let it leave you. Bind them around your neck. Tie them around your neck. That's what it means. Tie them around your neck. When them, write them on the tablet of your heart and do so and, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Some of us are looking for approval in the wrong ways. <laughs> we need the approval from God. And God will give us the approval that we need in our life if we stay true to mercy and truth. Truth is actually a word that means firmness. It brings stability. It brings balance. It brings security to you. But then there's that mercy part of it as well. Mercy and truth. Can I tell you today that God is rich in mercy? That's biblical. Ephesians, some, in, I can't remember, chapter 2, I think. It talks about how his mercy is so rich. God is rich in mercy. You say, well, how do I get mercy? Well, you get mercy first. You get it through him. He's rich. You accept his son into your heart. You accept Jesus into your heart. He comes into your heart. He takes up residence inside of you. And then you're saying, well, I don't know if I can give mercy. Then maybe we need to check first to see if we've actually been redeemed by the blood of Jesus in our lives. Because you can't give something that you don't possess. It's hard to give something that we don't possess in our life. And he says, if you want more mercy, you have to give more mercy. You know, the Bible says in Exodus that the children of Israel were crossing the Red Sea. How many ever heard of that story? They were crossing the Red Sea. And the Bible says that, that when Pharaoh would let them go, how many knows that sometimes when we get through these seasons and, it's, and, it's, and it's a, we're, we're like through a season of we have victory in our life and, and, and triumph in our life, and how many knows that sometimes um, we get through Egypt, but sometimes it takes time to get Egypt out of us. <laughs> and that's what God is trying to do this morning in your life, in your heart, in my heart, is he's trying to get Egypt out of you because Egypt would never say that you need, that, that he would, Egypt would never say that they deserve to get mercy. But Jesus says, man, they deserve it. It's all over Jesus. But what he did was, is he actually came and he held back the sea, the wall of the sea, the waters, our God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nissi, all these things. He held back our provider. He held it all back. And the children of Israel walked across the Red Sea. And that's what God does in our life. And that's what we do in our life. We hold back all the adversity. We look beyond criticism. We look beyond judgment. We look beyond the sentence and all these things in our life. This is not just for the middle age, the old, or the young. Because we all deal, you know, that person that you're following right now on social media that you just can't seem to get to like. What would happen if you showed them mercy? What would happen if you showed them mercy? They don't deserve it. They said some bad things. 
You don't know how many times I wanted to pick up that keyboard. But God says, you don't communicate through that keyboard. You just pray for mercy. You just pray for mercy. God is so, he's so tender. That's the heart of Jesus. That's why your heart's being tenderized this morning. I just just sense that in this place. God is tenderizing hearts. He's saying that he loves us. He says, my mercy endures forever. And maybe there's things in your life this morning that you have a hard time getting over because you're thinking, man, I don't deserve it. And you can't get beyond the fact of what you did because you think, I don't deserve it. So then you're trying to validate from outside resources and other people to validate whether or not you're worth it or not. God says you're worth it. And you're deserving of his mercy. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.